Well, here we are. It is time, Simba. If you understand that reference, you might be about the age where we should be working together. It's possible. But it is now one of three times a year that I'm accepting clients for my freedom framework, overcoming food sensitivities and increasing energy without unnecessary restriction. My goal for my one-on-one clients is to take them through frameworks and explore tools for achieving 50, 80, 90% of their goals in just a few months and show them how to continue to heal on their own so they don't need me anymore. Honestly, I think we're doing great one-on-one work here, helping women that would otherwise be falling through the cracks, thinking that they're just aging, that they're just moms, that they just, and it may be true that they just have stress when really those stress hormones and their other core systems just really need some serious support and some serious love to serve them for years to come without symptoms. So if you'd like to clear inflammation, eczema, food sensitivities, or improve energy and brain clarity, I'd love to chat with you. You can book a call with me at kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, kristabigler.com forward slash FSS, and that link will be in the show notes. This episode is sponsored by Full Circle Prenatal. Full Circle is the only prenatal on the market that has the most effective research-based doses of everything you need before, during, and after pregnancy. You can get a discount on your order at fullcircleprenatal.com with code LESSSTRESSED. So did you know that up to 80% of women are affected by nausea and vomiting in pregnancy? It's actually one of the most common reasons for pregnant women being admitted to the hospital. Despite being known as morning sickness, symptoms, of course, can occur at any time of the day or night, which any woman with this will tell you. There's also a more severe form of nausea and vomiting in pregnancy called hyperemesis gravidarum, which is much rarer and affects up to 3%, 2 or 3% of pregnant women. It's also abbreviated to HG, and that's how I'll refer to it in the future. For most women, their symptoms improve or disappear around week 14 in pregnancy, although for some people it can actually last longer. So of course, this episode is not exactly that morning sickness is a myth or more that any woman will tell you morning is very completely subjective, you know this, but this is more about reviewing the causes and the research related to morning sickness and hyperemesis, plus a clinical perspective and my own anecdotal perspective and applicable tips you could try for morning sickness. And then lastly, some discussion on what else might be the root cause of morning sickness. So I did go ahead and put a few of the PubMed IDs or PMID numbers in the show notes in case you want to review any of the research that I cite today. So no one knows the exact causes, but exact causes of nausea, vomiting, and pregnancy, but some of the cited possibilities most likely to cause it include hormone stimulus because you have elevated levels of hcg which is basically pregnancy hormone and estradiol or estrogen thyroid issues vitamin deficiencies including but not limited to b6 b1 and vitamin k emotional or other stress factors i thought this was an interesting reason evolutionary adaptation and maternal and embryonic protection from toxins so basically having crap in your body and your body trying to reject it a little bit kind of an interesting uh, thing that i found in one research paper slow motility gastric emptying so basically bloating and constipation if your guts were a mess prior to pregnancy or you aren't pooping every day or you have nausea before pregnancy it's maybe not in your favor to feel awesome during pregnancy necessarily because those issues were already kind of hanging out 
H. pylori or Helicobacter pylori infection, um, there's a really significant association with the occurrence of hyperemesis or the really bad kind of nausea, HG. You can read about this in the fourth citation I included, which is a 2014 review from the American Journal of Obstetrics and Gynecology. I have some pretty strong feelings about this particular pathogen, and I think that if you had extreme nausea in a previous pregnancy, you should really see someone that doesn't just pat you on the head, as, as one of my clients says. Thanks for not patting me on the head and just telling me to go get an antidepressant. But if you have had this in the past, you should work with someone that is able to help you with that root cause because up to 30% of Americans are affected by H. pylori, which is another story for another day. You can easily find that information in the research as well. You should know that our testing and our treatment leaves a lot to be desired conventionally, kind of like a lot of interventions in gastrointestinal health. Sorry, GI specialties. Um, We're really good at some things. We're really good at some things and we need a lot of um, help, but we need to get together on a lot of other topics yet. So you might be... um, totally SOL during pregnancy because when you're trying to correct gut dysbiosis, some of the interventions for that can be really contraindicated during pregnancy depending on the type of intervention used. So it's kind of like you will address it after pregnancy, unfortunately, or if you've already had this, try to address it before you get pregnant again. There's a fair, remember, there's a fair amount of research with the hyperemesis or the really bad form of nausea, vomiting even during pregnancy. And if you test positive for H. pylori with conventional testing, your provider may or may not decide to treat during pregnancy um, your your primary care provider, your, your doctor. All right, so that was one reason. Another reason could be genetics. And I think sometimes we blame things on genetics sometimes. And I want to just mention that families significantly share microbiota before you just pass things off as genetics. When, when people say, my mom had this, it's like, well, did she? Did you guys all share the same bacteria a little bit, which will create a lot of similar symptoms, or is it genetics? Can be both. Another reason could be because you're carrying a baby girl, and it's thought that baby girls have more hormones <laughs> going on in general, which goes back to reason number one. Or another reason cited is a larger placenta, which makes me just sit here and imagine what it would be like if you could get compliments on placenta size. It'd be like, hey, It's a nice placenta. Anyway, it made me laugh when I was reading the research. So what other signs and symptoms or lab values might help you identify if you have one of the above root causes with extreme nausea? So if you have a tender abdomen or loose stool constipation, or if you have enlarged thyroid or elevated liver enzymes, which usually things are not very good if you have elevated liver enzymes, AST or ALT, elevated bilirubin, same, would not be very, that's a very bad sign, very bad sign. Um, Or just any other irregular and lab values. Um, if you have issues, some, I don't think this is super common, but if you have issues, I mean, testing wise, this is not common, but if they do test and look at values of digestive enzymes, sometimes you can see a, a low amount, which I would just say gut health needs to be addressed and shored up overall. So when you've got morning sickness, there are some little diet and lifestyle strategies that can be used. And some of these are like common things that they give out of helplines for women with nausea, vomiting, and pregnancy. And some of them are adaptations that I've used in practice. So depending on where someone is or whatnot. So one option is to, and I know some of this is not life-changing, but eat smaller portions every couple of hours um, and make sure you're adding some kind of protein to every meal, like when you're snacking. So eating nuts and seeds or dairy to each snack or meal. So you're 
increasing, you're trying to increase your calorie intake. You're trying to help balance blood sugars. Um, you're also trying to help stomach acid get busy on digesting protein, um, which sometimes, sometimes could be helpful, sometimes not. So anyway, you have to experiment a little bit, but splitting it up, eating more, more often, um, keeping solids and liquids separate can help. So it's thought that maybe doing a lot of liquids at meals can dilute some digestive enzyme function. So try to drink your water either a half hour before or after your meals and snacks. Try not to wait a long time between meals or skip meals um, and get really hungry or thirsty. That can increase your nausea and vomiting during pregnancy symptoms. And then try to just change up your liquid intake. So do make things into popsicles, right? Um, because then you're not just swallowing a bunch of things. Smoothies are a common way to get nutrients down to try to like hide things in there so you can make sure you're increasing nutrients and caloric intake. But just freezing a smoothie into a popsicle popsicle is also awesome. You could also like put things into ice cube containers and just suck on different kinds of ice cubes or kind of make slushies. We're trying to stay hydrated because if we're vomiting, we're really having hydration issues. I would say doing high electrolyte foods like bone broth, coconut water, or doing like electrolyte added products would be great. Um, as a side note, when my family's traveling and I have nothing <laughs> except dehydration staring me and my kids down, I like, like if we're at a gas station, I like grabbing the Gatorade Bolt drinks um, because they don't have some of the same artificial colors that the other sports drinks on the shelves do. So I don't know if everyone else reads all the labels on things when I, you're traveling, but I'm just I'm just saving you some time if you if you don't if you don't want to. Um, so I usually recommend doing your prenatal supplement in a small smoothie or doing something like Vega makes some decent nutrition shakes to get extra nutrients and protein. I feel like they have them some with like the most extras. If you're looking for something just off the shelf, basically I'm kind of looking for a powerhouse option to increase calories with nutrients, not just, not just in intake. Um, also considering ventilation, sniffing lemons or sniffing other citrus, or for some people diffusing oils, keeping the windows open, um, or asking other people to help you with meal prep, or kind of doing your meal prep cold, and then sticking it in a crock pot, or just not handling some of those foods if you're really struggling with odor aversions, aggravating your symptoms. And yes, you have permission to send this episode to your husband um, to ask him to help prep food if needed, or your partner. All right, so some other interventions could be like icy liquids, chewing gum, sour chews, ginger chews. That's two different things, just chews in general, which kind of like and ginger chews, which are nice for motility and moving things the proper direction. Those might help or they might help change that metallic or bitter or sour, just odd taste sometimes people get in their mouth. Another tip is to try to avoid brushing your teeth after eating meals and snacks if that seems to trigger or worse, worse than nausea. I know that's like a habit, but for some people it makes it much worse. Um, these are like old school recommendations, trying not to lie completely flat after meals just because gravity, um, having a snack like crackers before you get up in the morning and you get up very slowly. So just putting crackers on the bedside table and being pretty careful about how you get up. And then also trialing mouthwash if you're dealing with a lot of like excessive saliva or just other tastes in your mouth. 
So again, getting protein in every meal and snack, spreading that out and just being kind of cautious with high fat or fried foods, just noticing like what might be big triggers for you in the past um, to help you kind of move forward. So you're not like ax. And this is part of if you get over hungry, I mean, I do this absolutely. If I'm over hungry, I'm just going to like go eat a whole bag of something or binge something. So trying to be careful with that because it, it'll probably backfire in this particular case. So when you have different things going on in the gut, you are not digesting very well, typically. And during pregnancy is an extremely reasonable time to use a digestive enzyme or one that has enzymes for protein, fat, and carbs in it. They Digestive enzymes vary a ton, and unfortunately, some of the good ones are a little bit pricey. On the shop page of my website, you'll find some, um, you'll find a supplement dispensary, so kristabigler.com forward slash shop. You'll find a supplement dispensary with a bunch of high quality products and brands, and I have favorites lists that you can view if you want to go look at some enzymes that I like. I know Life Extension has some, and another cheap brand that's okay is now brand. Now, I want to mention iron because iron is tricky because it can really exacerbate or even cause nausea, vomiting in its own. So if there's iron in your prenatal, um, this might be a situation or an issue. Gut pathogens are really iron loving, so complicates things. So if you're struggling with GI symptoms in pregnancy, consider using a prenatal without iron or one with iron glycinate might be better tolerated. And then there's also like different teas that you could drink that are kind of iron rich where you where you can get iron um iron is you can absorb iron better with vitamin c so if you have iron if you have an iron in your prenatal and it's not a good glycinate form or a highly absorbable form it could be causing some nausea so do a different prenatal and then do a better version of iron so do a prenatal without iron and then you can experiment with different irons separately because it's not worth it if it's making you really sick and nauseous and vomiting. You can also try splitting up your prenatal in divided doses. So lots of things to say about iron and just keep in mind that iron can also cause constipation. So if like things are not going out, then are they coming up? Some, like you've just slowed motility. That was like one of the potential reasons that you could be having nausea in the first place. So the most common complementary and alternative therapies for nausea, vomiting, and pregnancy include ginger, B6, and acupuncture puncture or acupressure. Um, B6, especially in the version P5P, has been pretty well studied in doses up to 200 milligrams per day from both your diet and supplements overall in pregnancy. So both diet and supplements. Ginger has been shown as well to be um, pretty decent and can be used up to one gram or a thousand milligrams per day. You could do ginger ale, ginger chews, ginger um, steep, like a knob of ginger steeped in tea, drinking it throughout the day. And then as far as acupuncture, you can apply pressure to the P6 acupuncture point, which is basically below your wrist on your forearm. So there you have these, um, this product called C-Bands. They're a brand of an acupuncture bracelet I bought on a cruise last year. It's like a little cloth band, and then it's got a little plastic spot to kind of push on that area and it could have been a placebo effect but that and a combination of ginger ale available on the cruise deck was pretty helpful when the sea was um really uh really really rocky so there are some options you can discuss with your provider one being antihistamines as needed so it's actually first line protocol in canada at least in the 2014 paper 
that was published um, that an antihistamine plus time released B6 capsule is the number one preferred treatment for nausea, vomiting, and pregnancy in Canada, which I have the, re- the research citation in the show notes. In a Cochrane review looking at 41 different studies, there wasn't one intervention that really stuck out the most when they looked at acupuncture or acupressure essential oils and different drugs. And it's worth noting that out of those 41 studies, they didn't look at diet or lifestyle as a factor. So it wasn't that the interventions that they looked at, like essential oils and acupuncture and different things, weren't effective, but that there just wasn't a lot of strong evidence for any one specific one, which means for you, you just have to try them <laughs> and see which one there is. So that's kind of the situation. So what do you? What have I seen in practice? Because that's the last piece. It's like, what's in research? What works for you? This is the evidence-based medicine. What's in research? What works for you? And then what is your clinician experience? Not that I'm your clinician, but what I see in practice, I will see... I work with gut issues, so I see a lot of gut issues like bacterial overgrowth at play in those most predisposed to nausea and vomiting. And I can tell this from pointed questions from before they were they are pregnant as well as what's on testing. Of course, I meet women in different stages. A lot of them, I would say the majority, are working on gut health to have optimal pregnancies, but sometimes I get moms, especially of you know, kiddos with eczema that have had more morning sickness in a past pregnancy. And now they're like, oh, wait, can I actually prevent that for a future pregnancy? And so um, I'm meeting them at all different stages, but I usually see gut issues being an issue. Sometimes, sometimes I'll be talking to a woman who's already pregnant, maybe because I'm working with another one of their family members, but they're dealing with morning sickness. So all we can do is really manage those symptoms for the most part, because some gut gut interventions are contraindicated in pregnancy. I can also speak to my personal experience, which is, you know, again, personal experience is what matters the most in morning sickness is what works for you and what helps. So I had my first child 16 years ago and I was not the picture of health at the time. I was young. She was a girl. It was a girl and I had a lot of nausea, vomiting throughout and beyond that first trimester. So not the picture of health. By the time I had my second child, I had done a lot of health stuff, gut health things, and I'd started my career. There were some very specific health optimization things I'd done around both gut health and micronutrient deficiencies um, that I had addressed. And I had absolutely no nausea, vomiting, and no um, queasiness with that um, child or my third child. I had a very strong sense of smell, um, but for the most part, like no notable nausea vomiting. The major difference was simply that work on health, nutrients, and gut health. And the change was substantial. And keep in mind, risk is high when 80% of women experience nausea and vomiting in pregnancy. So no matter where you are, I hope that this episode gives you insight on what you might need to do before or after pregnancy to have the most symptom-free and wonderful experience. Now, I mentioned earlier that this episode is sponsored by Full Circle Prenatal, and I want you to know why this topic was specifically inspired by full circle prenatal. I mean, you need nutrients, especially if you're feeling an aversion to food or not keeping it down. But what do you do if taking a capsule or a prenatal is the least appetizing thing you can think of, or your current prenatal is already making you queasy? Well, here's the crazy thing. Full circle prenatal has had hundreds of women reach out and tell them that their nausea actually went away when taking this prenatal. Here are a few of those women's statements. Hey, I'm 10 weeks pregnant and I swear this has helped with my nausea. Is that possible? I was so nauseous and then I started taking these and it completely went away and I feel great. Here's another one. Hi, I started using your prenatal about a week ago and I've noticed a significant reduction in my nausea. Have you heard this from other clients? 
And lastly, are there nutrients in here that would help with nausea? I started taking it a few months before I got pregnant and I'm just finishing my first trimester and I've had almost no nausea. Now, there are a few things going on with full circle prenatal that might be helping women avoid unnecessary nausea, including removing poorly tolerated iron and including the most absorbable forms of every nutrient and the actual amounts needed by expecting women. Basically, when you're taking the best form of everything, you're actually getting your money's worth and you can feel good about all those nutrients going to you and your baby. Getting all the nutrients and the most effective doses can look like several capsules. If you have any trouble with capsules, just pop them open and then put them in a smoothie or some kind of drink or applesauce to make it easier to take. And if you want to know more about specific nutrients needed for pregnancy, check out episode 96, Makings of a Perfect Prenatal, where I interview full circle prenatal creator and brilliant dietitian and friend, Ayla Barmer.